All right, well, brother. We got, some, we got some new news to talk about, too. Yeah, Almost kind of a blessing God. in disguise. I guess so. So this is take two, everyone. Uh, we, we attempted to record yesterday, and I'm an idiot. Messed up with the recording, but yeah, blessing in disguise. And we, have a, we have new news. Um, also, hopefully audio sounds better to everyone. You know, we've always yes. done this podcast remote, but we're trying something different, which is what led to the fault yesterday. But hopefully this all uh, works out for the better. And we sound a lot better too. It's it, it feels great to just hear your sweet, sweet voice in my in my ears. Oh, I could listen to it all day. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the open wheel debrief with your host, Patrick Hamilton and co host Tom Settle. Today we're talking about the big news out of Renault. We're talking about the amazing Austrian Grand Prix and Lando Norris with his first ever F1 podium. So all that and more on today's episode. It's lights out. I don't know Lit. Let's hop in to this episode. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to start with the big news coming out of Renault and signing the old wily vet, Fernando Alonso. The old wily vet, dude. The 38-year-old, man. I didn't realize how old he was. But, yeah. Um, heard some interesting takes on it today. Uh, I think everyone and their mother released an article about it. And right. also, too, I missed I missed rumors about it. Apparently, Ocon said something about it last week. No, uh, I, I totally missed that, too. But um, I, I think I've talked about it previously on this podcast. I think it's a smart move for Renault. Um, you really bring in that large fan base, especially from Spain. Um, kind of interesting that Alonso is going to be taking a step back, not, you know, being in one of those big teams and surprising. Um, maybe it's just because they locked in Daniel Ricardo that McLaren didn't even talk about it. But um, I think it's good for the F1 sport. I, I don't, I know you might have a different take technically taken away from some young guns getting a new shot, but um, especially if Renault um, almost competing with mclaren it seems like mclaren's pulling away you need some sort of experience to kind of uh get to the top of that midfield again yeah dude and that was the first thing i thought of was when i saw this i was just like why are you not pulling from the renault academy and i totally agree i think it brings in the alonzo following to renault but i just think it's a very like i don't know if shallow is the right word but just like very short-term move and almost in my mind questions the patience of management at Renault or sponsorship. And I, we, we all know they're sponsored by the, the French government. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's interesting in my mind, like um, looking at the Renault Academy, you know, obviously you're not, I don't, I don't think, and I'm not too familiar with the potential they have lined up there, but it's not like you're going to bring in a rookie and expect a lot out of them i think a lot of the question even goes on ocon for them to essentially not bet on him to be the number one or to be the lead for next year and they say okay we need to bring in experience right it 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 is going to be interesting how that teamwork dynamics is going to play out between ocon and fernando alonso um it's definitely going to already be dicey this year um with Ricardo definitely walking out the door on really a sour deal. It's supposed to be a friendship between Ricardo and Renault, and really, um, it's 
yeah, honestly, you got to kind of feel for Ocon, man. He's just been thrown in such crap situations, whether it was departure from Racing Point just because Sergio Perez had more, you know, financing behind him. And all of a sudden you're walking into a, basically like the media darling and Ricardo trying to compete with him. And, and now on top of all of that, you're going to have to fr- face just uh, a racing powerhouse in Alonzo. Yeah, dude, truly. So it's exciting to see him come back, but it's just, it's wild news to me. I think it like, like I said earlier, it, it, it shows the impatience of a lot of F1 teams. And I think especially in the midfield where it's kind of competitive and a lot of guys are like wanting, or a lot of teams are wanting to get up, you know, the ranks and they're not willing to take rebuilding years. Like we see in a lot of sports, especially in America, well, teams will like deliberately tank and, uh, you know, hope to get young talent and build them up. Um, also worth noting, I think the the, the one notable rider or uh, driver I I knew of within the Renault Academy, unfortunately, was the guy who passed away last year in the Belgium Grand Prix in that F two race. Um, he was a stud, um, and I right. think that was kind of their their um, bet as far as the next the next call up. Um, so maybe truly they didn't have anyone in within the academy um, that they could pull up. But hey, it's exciting to see Alonzo back, man. The old duffer. I'd, yeah, it will be very, very exciting to see any sort of, you know, battles he gets in with old rivals. And I think just that competitive nature of the F1 sport, there, there is no tanking years. Tanking years are terrible years. It ruins reputations. I mean, you know, we, we've seen it with Williams, once a very highly respected team, now is the laughing stock just, you know, for the gradual dis- uh, decline and now basically uh, empty-handed last last season. So um, Renault didn't want to take any chances. So you gotta you gotta respect the move of trying to get an, an old timer in there with a ton of experience and a huge fan base following. So um, I'm a fan of the move. It will be electric next year. Electric, dude. So correct me if I'm wrong. Now that means that all spots are technically filled for next year. So should we expect a uh, Vettel retirement statement here soon? I, I I seriously do not see him moving to any other team. I don't know why he would. Um, it seems like, you know, there might still be questions if Botas is going to be coming back. Um, True. But I don't I don't see Sebastian going to Mercedes. I see them, you know, picking up a George Russell, um, basically to try and compete with that Lewis Hamilton. I I don't see how you can sign two mega stars with the Mercedes team. McLaren's locked up. Ferrari's locked up. Um, and I just, Vettel is not going to want to waste his time, um, moving down to a smaller team. Um, I, I just don't think he, lo- it's not that he doesn't love the sport enough. I think it's just, he doesn't want to damage his reputation. If you kind of understand what I'm saying. Yeah, dude. And the guy's just so hard to read as is anyway. I mean, he's, he's publicly stated, I think when, when things went south with Ferrari that he still wants to race and I believe him, but the guy shows no emotion and i agree i don't think a, a name like him is going to want to be want to be seen in bottom of the pack midfielder even lower where spots potentially may be open um so yeah interesting you're right though both is one i forgot about that one's i guess still up in the air um mm-hmm. but yeah maybe something we'll hear about uh mr vettel here soon I know we'll keep we'll keep all the fans updated. You know we will definitely be talking about it to the conclusion of silly season. Silly season, the best type of year, and also too the, worth noting that the next year they are dealing with that budget cap too. So like you said, um, teams can't afford two megastars. 
So um, exactly for him to want something in the, in, in the top of the field is pretty, uh, that's a tall ask, big order. Yeah. So on top of that, Tom, you and I finally get to kind of transition into the Austrian Grand Prix and instant classic instant classic instant classic dude nearly 250 odd some days or something crazy without racing and uh yeah dude what a what a what a race to start the year off in um and again like we said this is take two so i'm gonna try to act surprised from packy's steamer takes here (laughs) um but uh yeah dude really good race um you know the whole weekend was a bit of a mix-up from what we're used to as far as the top three teams Ferrari not for not Ferrari not having the pace they normally do, um, showing it through practices and even the qualifying kind of gave us a grid that we're not usually used to. Right, it was extremely refreshing, and I think um, we'll kind of walk through the entire weekend from from the first start, and we'll start with qualifying with Sebastian Vettel just not even making out of the the second qualifying session. So big shock. It was the first time in his career with Ferrari. I think it was in, I think he's got somewhere around like 150 starts with Ferrari. It was the first time due to a mechanical or not, not due to a mechanical issue, just to own driver error that he did not make it out of the second qualification. So an impressive stat, uh, but still kind of a disappointing run for him. And it definitely proved on race to be a big challenge for him. Yeah, dude, really weird. And obviously a lot of question about the the power unit they're running in Ferrari this year, but also just Vettel not showing the drive that he normally does with with all the experience he has. I mean, he showed in qualifying and even in the race when his teammate can get a P2 and Vettel barely scrapes by getting points. He qualifies 11th and, um, yeah, just wasn't racing like he normally does um, during the race too, just locking up in a lot of corners, taking moves that weren't there. And... Yeah, kind of look like a rookie out there. Exactly. We talked about it. Uh, Charles just completely outperformed his teammate. And if you're sitting in the Ferrari paddock, you are ecstatic knowing that, at least so far, it seems like you've made the right choice in making Charles your star driver. Um, So if you're in the Ferrari paddock, you're you're not happy with someone positioning P10. But for the future, um, you're definitely excited especially um i know ferrari's talked about it before they really need to get an engine package package together um upgrades said to be coming in two weeks um so for those new to f1 uh f1 teams can bring in upgrade packages for their car under fia regulations so um it's all sorts of investments that they can make into their car and ferrari desperately desperately needs an engine upgrade because you can just tell they're completely off the pace, not something that we're used to seeing a Ferrari red uh, drop back in the pack. Yep, totally. So going into the weekend, we have kind of Mercedes 1-2 running the, running the show on all practices and um, even qualifying. And then a late penalty bumps Lewis back to, what, fourth or fifth? Uh, fifth. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, gives, gives Lando a second-row start, Albon a second-row start. Uh, we're stopping second, sitting second. So, um, yeah, some names we're not really used to seeing up there on the starting grid. And the start was fantastic. All the all the drivers themselves um, really did well. I mean, the first of the year, you never really know what to expect as far as a start. And clean start. Not at all. And Very um, clean start. Yeah, went very well. And then um, lap 11, 
Verstappen had a disaster. And even looking at the first 20 laps, is a lot of reliability issues for teams as far as mechanical problems in their cars. And you got to wonder if that is exactly just due to the fact of the 250 plus days of not racing, if that's kind of the mechanic shaking off some rust, or if it's due to um, just kind of poor car construction, or if it's Honda engine issues, if it's, um, you know, there was definitely like, even the Mercedes, the last couple laps, they definitely were limping home their car. Uh, so you got to wonder if it's due to the fact of not racing, or if it's just actual, we should be concerned about the reliability of some cars coming into the season. Yeah, which is wild. They even they were talking a bit about on the broadcast too of like how harsh I guess the um, um, gosh I'm I'm blanking on it like the size of the track basically outside the white lines right. Um, yep. And and teams in particular Mercedes when they're queuing into radios are telling them that to to stay off of the to the edge of the track um, because it's so harsh on their cars and they're, they're worried about something going wrong. Um, like we saw, I mean, f four retirements within the first 26 laps is pretty uncommon. Um, but like Christian Horner said, it's the first of the year and it's kind of, you know, kind of got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, but yeah, exactly. reliability, issue, reliability issues, even for uh, Mercedes was pretty worried about it and their pace definitely slowed down kind of mid late race and certainly open it up for the rest of the field to get some names up there that we're not usually used to. Exactly. Um, so really, when Verstappen came out, he really was set, I think, to be the only one to compete to possibly beat Botas, beat Hamilton, um, beat the Mercedes team. So very disappointing to see Max Verstappen get out early. Um, definitely not a surprise that you had a double DNF from the Haas team. Um, and interesting to see basically the pink mercedes and racing points having so much struggle they definitely had speed um during practice and i thought they had decent race pace especially with sergio perez but again it's gonna it's it'll be very interesting to see this sunday to see if we have the same amount of retirements if it's gonna be um basically a survival of the fittest-esque race again or if we're gonna have, see some genuine racing yeah, dude, totally. So we're back again this Sunday in Austria. Same exact circuit, same same direction and everything. Um, but one thing different is we got a hot and heavy rivalry going between Red Bull and Mercedes, in particular Albon and uh, Lewis. So let's get into this a little bit. I've read a little bit more up on it today, um, seeing some takes on Reddit um, and some videos as far as the incident. That happened kind of late race between Hamilton and Albon, um, almost a direct mimic between la late last year in Brazil. Um, crazy. Crazy. So Albon nearly has an overtake to put him in a, a podium position and even contend for the win with the pace he was going, um, splitting the two Mercedes. And uh, let's just say Lewis got in his way a little bit and uh, cost Albon the race entirely cost him the race um really if you look at it Albon was on a new threads um definitely going to be able to compete with lewis looked like he was past him and if he passed lewis he still had what uh seven eight laps left to catch valtry and i don't think it would have been an issue for him to pass and and possibly win not only get his first podium but get his first f1 victory um so very very similar to what we saw in 
Brazil last year, and I, I was up screaming like, I can't believe it happened again. Dude. Um, so it's a it, highly entertaining moment, but you got to feel the heartbreak for, for Albon. Oh, man, it's heartbreak city, and we talked about it too. I mean, Hamilton, like we joked, is like he doesn't know how to get past. And, you know, it's obviously not as easy as a lot of people think it is as far as giving people space when you're going that quick and those cars just aren't as nimble as they seem, you know, you're not apexing turns like that. And it's not like Hamilton's able to just like turn the wheel a little bit more and give them space. The question is, is did he go on the power early to kind of cut off that uh, racing line for Albon? So Mm -hmm. I've heard lots of takes as this is just a race incident and they're criticizing the fact that Hamilton even got a five second penalty. I know I talked about it yesterday that I think five second penalty is just bogus considering that Albon spins out and is put, you know, on the back of the grid with no chance to even get back up to where he was. And Hamilton gets to drive away all willy nilly and still nearly contends for a podium. Um, so interesting takes, you know, is it, is it a race incident? Uh, should a penalty even be called? Is it the right penalty? What are alternatives? Um, it's the second time something like this has, has happened uh, between these two um, in, 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 in a mock scenario. So, Right, and I think I gave my take um, a little bit yesterday when we were discussing about it. I thought the penalty itself was, was definitely just, because if you think about it, Albon passed on the outside. If he passed Hamilton cleanly, he was sitting in third. There was no way that Charles or Norris or anyone behind him was going to catch Lewis. Um, so if anything, he was sitting in third, finished the race. Now he did wreck Albon, and while he completely ruined his race, if you look at Hamilton individually, um, he definitely not only suffered um, losing um, second place, he suffered losing third place. And uh, thank thank the heavens above, he lost to uh, Lando Norris by 0.2 seconds. And my goodness, was that insane. So we have Lewis Hamilton giving a five-second penalty, and we'll just cut right to the last lap anyway. Um, Lando makes a, a cheeky pass on Sergio. Sergio seemed like he didn't really know Lando was there, and that, and that pass set Lando up for an absolute steamer on the last lap. Um, going into the last lap, uh, what, 6.2 seconds behind Hamilton, knowing that Hamilton yep. has a five-second penalty um, and goes over a second quicker to beat Hamilton by about a tenth of a second. Um, pretty sick to a video was re- released today on Formula One YouTube and Instagram. It was basically the last two laps, uh, full audio between Lando and the pit. And um, one, it was just so hyped to watch, obviously, the outcome of what it was. But also, too, just crazy insight. That was insight. the favorite video I've seen. Oh, it's so cool. I mean, it literally gives me chills. But just also crazy insight to what the engineers are uh, telling the drivers as far as scenarios on the car, which I'm not really totally sure what that means. I assume that's just kind of like fit of the car and and and, and kind of how, how it's tuned and whatnot. Um, sure. But, yeah, I mean, literally every turn, the, the, the engineer is anticipating – where the scenario should be for Lando, um, giving him time updates. And then obviously it comes in about three seconds after he crosses the line that he just absolutely smoked Hamilton and the rest of the field and, sh- and, and throws the fastest lap of the day to get himself Such, third on the podium. 
such an exciting moment. And, and like you were talking about, it's it's very cool to see that relationship between engineer and driver, and it just proves how much of a team sport F1 is. And you can almost tell in that in that video when he's going around the track, just laying down absolute steamers the last two laps, just flying, trying to catch Hamilton. And it catches him by, again, 0.2 seconds. You can also kind of sense, you know, engineers are supposed to keep a cool and keen voice when they're communicating with the drivers. But heading into the last couple of corners, he was like, give it everything you got. Give yeah. it everything you got. Yeah. And it was just so, like, I, F1 knows exactly what the fans want and what media content they want to see. And I want to see more of basically the pure joy and emotion that comes with the victors of racing and motorsport because that i mean that was it's an amazing video it's so it's amazing too like how like you said how calm cool and collected these engineers are um because in my head i just gotta think if i'm that guy in the radio i would be screaming at lando like the entire time just like we're like go 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 yeah, go 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 dude go. just like full gas and then <laughs> you know he said something like going into the last turn he's like all out full out full out lando <laughs> like not like hey you're like uh a tenth off the lead or a tenth off podium here like let's go i would like be just screaming. for it yeah oh yeah um, but also too like alternatively you see like the um you know kind of the pit crew guys uh in you know they're all sitting in like theater style in the in the pit looking at a, a television screen and those guys i mean they're it's like they're in a pub dude like they're going absolute ballistic um i would i would kill for one of those positions just to be oh, basically a mechanic yeah. like you're living the life basically your entire job is it's extremely high pressure like you you know you got to switch out a tire or jack a tire on and then you get to sit there movie theater style while everyone else is racing just watching your driver go along and especially if you win a podium dude i i would have been going absolutely bananas like everyone else was oh yeah it's so sick and i, I just came across too McLe i don't know how i missed this but mclaren youtube page i don't know what they call it there's like a basically a series of it's videos unboxed unbox that's what it is yeah there was like a 29 minute video on the on the austrian gp highly recommend it uh, great video it gives really good insight into kind of the, the the pit and just the whole team in general and kind of and it's their reaction. I mean, it's just, it's wholesome content. Um, surely, surely we'll give you chills. Um, so yeah, dude, so happy to see Lando on the podium. Um, chapeau to him. First podium and classic. Great McLaren. celebrations. Yeah. Yeah. Classic McLaren and style though, going out, getting, a, getting their podium in kind of a weird way. Uh, <laughs> saw it with signs last year too. Um, yeah. But it was very cool too, especially when um, the broadcast kind of panned to Zach Brown. You got to think about all the hard work and efforts he, he and struggles he's gone through with like basically having to deal with Fernando kind of running the show. And now he's kind of gotten his own shot to build the McLaren team, put a lot of trust in signs, put a lot of trust in this young gun, Norris. And it's paying off, man. I mean, McLaren's sitting P2 in the Constructors' Championship right now. They had a 3-5 and uh, three five finish. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. I mean, they're like always considering a midfield team, but like they are performing so well. And I agree, man. Zach Brown's been in it for the long haul. Um, it, it it makes me think about next year too, as far as just like, especially watching all these behind, behind the scenes video. Like Lando and and Carlos's relationship is like not something you typically see 
on the grid uh, as far as you know teammates like formula one is no. a very weird sport where like your teammate is almost like your biggest rival most of the time uh and these guys literally look like they're brothers out there like they're just having a good time like just totally stoked for each other um yeah obviously it's easy when they both perform very well but um wholesome wholesome content yeah just just good lads and um yeah it makes me think like what what the vibe is going to be like next year with lando and ricardo and especially if lando performs the way he does this year like he is going to be so confident and almost expecting to be the lead of the team when ricardo Mm -hmm. coming in like he's just always had a big ego and that's just kind of who he is i mean he certainly earned it um but with that vibe's gonna be different so you know it'll be interesting to see how how zach brown can manage that i'm 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 totally on the mclaren train uh love this team and uh stoked to see what they can do this year i think they can really show out uh especially with ferrari kind of falling off without Um, a doubt so yeah and and if you're daniel ricardo though i know we talked about there might be um uh i guess kind of a tough transition especially with lando having such a great relationship with signs but if you're ricardo man you you got to be licking your chops going from um renault to basically uh mclaren who is going to be taking on that mercedes powered engine uh, along with just an upward trend that is undeniable so if i if i'm daniel ricardo i am smiling ear to ear yeah dude i'd be stoked he's i mean he's one too like he's if the team isn't performing he like he could he could give a shit and like i feel like that's going to be the vibe this year on renault like he's just i don't see him being able to to put himself in a top five scenario uh unless like just craziness happens um i mean he's a heck of a driver but i just i don't with renault i don't think he's given the right tools and he he with that i think he gets an attitude about it um so if he's given him the right tools and i I totally agree with you i think mclaren's going to give him everything he needs uh he'll be stoked to be there yeah without a doubt um so then kind of moving up the podium charles leclerc with uh one of his best performances of his entire career basically driving the wheel off a piece of crap and what ferrari has put out into the piece two position and almost for a quick second once he once he got past sergio perez with about you know uh you know seven or eight laps to go you're like oh my gosh like maybe he could potentially pass a couple mercedes with that ferrari car yeah dude it's insane and charles admitted to like he like he noted like this is one of his best performances because i think he knew what he was dealing with all weekend just didn't have the pace they were saying they were nearly almost a a full second off pace of what they were last year um so that's just so demoralizing as a driver but yeah the way he was driving especially late race was insane i mean the entire race makes little no mistakes and then basically is just picking guys off just sitting behind them waiting for the slightest mistake and just makes the cheekiest pass um and just makes it look so effortless when we know that that car is on the absolute limit um and yeah. basically on any sort of long straight is losing time but how how good of a driver he is he's still able to to muster out a p2 which is just unbelievable um so his yeah, dude, dive I mean, bomb his dive bomb on sergio perez was a thing of beauty just so sexy yeah man i think he I, like 
best dive bomb in the game for mm-hmm. sure so that was definitely fun to watch Dro- drove his tail off and then uh kind of finished it all off Valtteri Botas with one of the quietest you know first wins of the year you'd ever see yeah I mean it's kind of annoying when the winner like leads the entire race um yeah it's something we're almost getting a little numb to with Mercedes and uh I think every fan out there is kind of crossing their fingers for a race like this we hope it's not a tease but uh it's definitely clear the Mercedes are the two fastest cars out there but you know if we can get anything else to shake it up that's all we want but yeah I mean Botas good drive you know made it look effortless no mistakes no nothing um you know they got a heck of a team there reminds me too like that um magnuson's wreck mid or uh, i guess kind of late race 20 laps or so to go that brought out the safety car it queued like every pit stop for everyone and reminded me how sick you know double stacking a pit stop is and mercedes are just the kings of it so effortless uh, for them yeah so they do they pull a double stack which is like i mean this is crazy hard um but they make it look so good. So it's so easy for them. Yeah. So lo- loved seeing that. But yeah, both us an effortless win. And um, yeah, finds himself at the, to- uh, the, the uh, top of the points there. So very, on. very entertaining first race. The I guess my only wish for this next coming weekend is possibly a rain race. I, I don't see how this next one can set up better than the race that we just had. Yeah, it'd be hard. I mean, the good thing is that we have um, we have Red Bull kind of like ne- next race will be kind of new to us just because they had a lot of bad luck that you got to assume they won't have again. And Austria is kind of their track. So, you know, we can hope for a, even even seeing Verstappen is, is something new enough for me to win or even seeing Verstappen win is something new enough for me. Um, so that'd be exciting nonetheless. I mean, gosh, rain would be so sick. Um, like we said, any variable to kind of throw off the Mercedes train would be awesome. But hey, I got my hopes on Red Bull, even if it's not a rainy day, to um, yeah. go for a win. So without a doubt. So let's go ahead and transition into uh, our idiot of the week and uh, driver of the day. T, I'll, I'll let you start off. Um, dude, man, I mean, it's you know we're tooting McLaren's horn, man, and it's it's hard for me not to go for driver of the day to Lando. I mean. You know, for his first podium, obviously, like, an incredible accomplishment for him personally. But also to throw the fastest lap is just insane. He, he does it on, one, me- medium tires, which is crazy. And, two, like, it, I mean, he McLaren has a fast car, but it's not the fastest car out there. And he throws an absolute steamer of a lap in the 107s, which no one was touching all day. Um, and on the last lap with all that pressure and everything, um, for a sophomore driver to do that was was incredible. So, uh, drive of the day for me is, is absolutely Lando Norris. Hmm. I, it's incredible the the year that the sophomores are having. Um, I'm going to have to go with my driver of the day to Charles Leclerc. We already sang his praises, but again, driving the wheels off uh, basically a crap box. So um, both sophomores looking like incredible veterans. And then I guess a little honorable mention, I, I think has to go to George Russell. Uh didn't qualify last unlike last year which is something to be spoken of for uh the williams team i'm definitely trying to catch that tail end of the midfield so i i 
I think they might be getting a point here at least once this year, at least once. Dude, that'd be insane. Williams in the points. We might see a video like McLaren, man, all those pit boys celebrating like a podium on a 10th place. So, I, dude, Go nuts. I, go nuts, Williams. Yeah, you earned it. Go nuts, man. Go nuts. All right, give me uh, give me idiot of the day. Uh, see my my idiot of the day. It's just it's it's the wankers at Haas, man. I mean, they're an American team, but just like I, I'm not gonna take them. Like they're it's it just seems like such a cluster of unorganized mess over at Haas that I mean, you got your brake fa- failures and. Um, I don't understand why they still have Romain Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen. It's not been working. I don't understand why you don't get kind of some new talent in there to try and gain experience for uh, potential future seasons. It's just I have an issue issue with Gunther Steiner and the way that he's handling the team. I just think Haas is such a – they're all a bunch of idiots. The wankers. Perhaps, perhaps we change the segment to the wankers of the race, man. Wankers uh, of the race. Wankers of the race. It's funny too. Like the whole with Drive to Survive too. Like um, the light they've shed on Williams in particular. I mean, they definitely shed on Haas this last season, but Williams has always just kind of been the laughing stock of the grid. I think collectively as a Formula One community, we see so much more potential in that Williams team than we do Haas. Like they are just on a downward trend, showing no potential. No potential. And the way that Drive to Survive sheds a light on Williams, it's almost kind of like, oh, they're such a great team. It's almost fallen for grace, but they're working to get back. But for Haas, it's it's just idiots. And Romain Grosjean is seen as like a complete disaster of a driver. K-Mag is basically the douchiest driver on the entire grid that nobody likes. It's just... it, it. Drivers 5 does not shed a good light, and I think it was reflected this weekend. It just seemed like such an unorganized mess. Yeah, they got some things to figure out. And like you said, it's a shame that that's our American presence in the in the, um, in the the grid. But like we alluded to last time we spoke is I think McLaren is our new, you know, stars and stripes. Uh, Zach Brown, American CEO, bring yeah. it on, baby. McLaren, hey. USA, USA. Let's go, let's go. Uh yeah, I love that pick. My uh my idiot today, um, man, I mean it's it's a harsh saying, but like that'll do. Just like the potential he has, he didn't perform, uh, not only on Sunday but just nearly the entire weekend. So I mean it's, we know they got a bad car, but we also it's hard it's hard to give him the benefit of the doubt when this teammate um outdrives them and we, I mean Vettel's a championship driver, and to perform like he did is just unacceptable with that name on your car um yeah so yeah that'll i mean you, you gotta hope it's only upward from here but if he shows another performance like that this weekend um yeah big big question marks for him yeah charles just making him look like an absolute rookie yeah dude which is nuts that was young as young as he is to to run the ferrari formula one team is unbelievable i mean how where, where do you go from there um, down so, so big thing Downward. yeah yeah but nonetheless <laughs> big things from from a to come i think for sure yeah so all right and then 
the last thing we'll get into to kind of wrap up our, our F1 segment. Um, I know all you fans out there are probably wondering how our F1 fantasy teams did this weekend. Uh, Tom, why don't, why don't you kind of relay the results back for me? Yeah, this is pretty nuts. So kind of something that I forgot about a little bit until post-race, and I was like, oh, shit, I got my team to look at here. So we got we got four four fine gentlemen in our league here, and uh, Packy's beaten. Packy's got 103. I got 92. I'm tied for last with Carl. But the the talk of the town is Pete scoring a 157. Uh, hot, uh, hot, yeah, hot team. A hot team. Uh, nearly all of his drivers are in the points. So you pick five drivers in a team. Uh, Pete's got Hamilton, Signs, Gasly and ricardo and ocon so ricardo dnf but every one of all those drivers were in the points and then his team was mclaren which was i would have thought would be a little bit oddball but what a what a call for the first race of the year so pete's sitting out of 157 pack you're out of 103 uh you got botas on your team so that helped you a ton uh, Champ, baby Perez scoring 44 Botas scoring 44 as well and signs is a good bet Red Bull I got the same team as you definitely un- yeah, that underperformed hurt. That um, hurt but yeah so I'm sitting at 92 Verstappen's my guy who didn't finish and Ricardo as well didn't finish signs, big oof. yeah big oof signs Perez and Gasly were my men and Red Bull giving me points um so yeah we'll keep an eye on that we'll give updates every week um luckily got another one this week and uh yeah we'll keep track on uh where the fantasy standings are at all right so rolling into the indycar weekend we got the dual races for the indianapolis road course starting off hot literally extremely hot for both the drivers and the racing on track uh, definitely turned into a big strategy call for everyone um, turned into, you know, who can use the red um, sticker tires for as long as possible and lay down the fastest laps. And once again, Scott Dixon has his car on a fricked rope and just ran laps around everyone. Yeah, dude, totally. And when, with a race like this, like, you know, kind of uneventful, um, didn't get a lot of action late race as far as yellows or anything. So yeah, you know, looking at it post race, we talk a lot of like kind of what strategies we saw as team, but truly I think the talk of the, of, of the IndyCar community for this race was how hot it was for these drivers. Um, they're racing in Indianapolis in early July. You're seeing mid 90 degree temperatures you know, 115, 110, 120 on the track. And with these new aero screens, man, it uh, really threw a wrench. And I think a lot of these guys cooling habits as far as what they were feeling in the car, it was unbelievable. And I wish we could know what, what these guys temperature is in the car, but they're getting very little airflow in there. Um, just absolutely cooking. Yeah. Yeah. It, it almost makes you wonder what, how that's going to affect strategy when it comes to the Indianapolis 500 that's going to be August 23rd. Bro. So if you think it's hot in July, it's going to be scorching hot in August. It's going to be just as bad. So uh, 
definitely kind of some foreshadowing to see what type of innovations that that are going to happen to try and get as much cool um, air into the cockpit as possible. And like, like Scott Dixon, his water valve broke along with his, uh, I think there's like a air tube that's connected to the driver's helmet that's right. supposed to be blowing cool air on their bodies. And that if, if that breaks, you're basically sitting in a 100, 130 degree oven just cooking while you're, you know, going 189 miles an hour around the track. Dude, which is insane. I mean, these guys are already like kitted up in fire suits and multiple layers and whatnot. Their heart rates are high. Um, gosh, man, it's hard not to think that there's going to be like some sort of medical issue with these dudes out there. So definitely like first year for the error screen, you know, I don't, I mean, heat had to be thought of when this was in development, but the fact that kind of the season being pushed a couple of months and the and and where the races line up you just get unbearable temperatures for these guys um i mentioned it last time we spoke but hinchcliffe and rossi on their podcast talked a lot about it in texas um and literally the whole podcast that's all they talked about there's how damn hot it was in that aero screen um and that's just like that's just what that's what they're all thinking right now is like how do you mitigate how the heat and how do you make that any better so it'll be interesting to do like you said 500 will be nuts um yeah. if you get typical temperatures what it'd be in indianapolis around that time of year um, it'll be interesting also to see what roger penske and the indycar series is going to be doing to address that situation because you know all drivers are just going to be bitching the entire time about how hot it is so i mean it's got to be something that's addressed because if you have someone who has um you know a heat stroke going that fast is is not only dangerous for the driver but everyone else too so it's got to be addressed so i'm interested to see how the series reacts um what changes are going to happen in my humble opinion you 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 basically just got to imitate f1 and take away the aero screen and just kind of adjust the body kits i know that's something they might have to do next season but i i just don't i don't see a reasonable way at how that can can continue yeah i agree so it'll be interesting kind of a shorter year this year they're going to wisconsin this weekend so hopefully heat isn't a big issue then but then iowa after that i mean that could be an absolute scorcher um so yeah interesting where this goes but um Nonetheless, still still the fastest man when the race wins the race. Dixon wins by nearly 20 seconds um, ahead of Graham Rahal, who rode a, a heck of a race. He was the man on the two-stop strategy, and nearly everyone else on the three-stop strategy, and um, pulled it off well and, and almost had it. I will say, um, even late race, even when Dixon was far ahead, the one thing that we were kind of hoping for was a late, late yellow. Because Ray Hall had a ton of push to pass left, like 160 seconds or so, and Dixon had very little. Um, so that was like kind of the only hope we had to, to get a contested 1-2 finish. Um, but nonetheless, no yellow, and uh, Dixon ran away with it. Dixon definitely earned it, man. There's a reason he's a five-time champ. So um, interesting to see if you know any Penske teams could possibly um, take it to Scott Dixon. But right now, it's just it's walking away type championship yeah two for two man and uh no signs stopping um 
couple bad luck for some drivers. Rossi again with some bad luck in Texas. He had an early uh, mechanical that got him on the track late. And then again, uh, this race with a mechanical that took him out. Um, so it'd be interesting going to Wisconsin last year. He swept that race. So we'll see if he can get the team on board to get him a, a reliable car. Um, yeah, you got to be kicking yourself if you're Rossi, oh, man. man. I mean, it's he, he doesn't lack talent. It seems like that cart seems to be lacking a little bit of speed or, and again, just flat out reliability. Um, so I, I would be kind of an upset driver if I was Alexander Rossi. Dude, totally. And it's hard. I mean, Rossi's an emotional guy. I mean, he's crazy competitive, right? So, like, um, it's funny they interview him, like, very shortly after, of course, forced both times when he mechanicals. And you can tell he's just, like, he's just huffing and puffing, but he's just got kind of putting on a show in front of the mic. Um, but, yeah, yeah. dude, he's got to be fuming. He's got to be in the back of his head. He's like, I can't believe I have to deal with this freaking BS again. Yeah. You oh, know what I mean? So, I, yeah. It, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how his season continues. And then um, I, I hate to give people props, especially this man, but freaking Simon Pagano came out of the freaking woods to get a P3 position. It seemed like he was stuck at P20 all day, but due to a couple lucky breaks w- with uh, um, pit stops and um, the yellow flags with Oliver Askew, shuffled his way to the front and held a competitive P3. Yeah, dude, that's insane. To start P twenty and go P three, uh, is nuts. The fact I mean, like, he's he is a wildly consistent driver this year, virtually and in real life. Um, so he's a name definitely to be to be reckoned with. Definitely not contending to what Dixon's kind of doing right now. But yeah, man, Pagano, as much as you love him, he uh, is a force to be reckoned with for sure. Yeah. Got to give credit where credit's due. Simon had a hell of a race. So yeah. um, we can kind of quickly transition um, into the idiot of the week and driver of the day on your end. T, go ahead and kick us off. Oh, man. No, driver of the day. Um, gosh. I mean, it's too easy to give it to Dixon. Uh, Ray Hall did very well but honestly i think what we're talking about i gotta give it to pagano man like he he rode an incredible race like he said a little bit of luck but as far as on his end um i mean dude a plus race on his part to go to go 20th the third um it's it's definitely making team penske happy nice yeah i don't like the guy but again hell hell of a race car driver so Um, my driver of the day, kind of again, too easy to give it to Ray Hall, too easy to give it to uh, Scott Dixon. I'm gonna go ahead and give my driver of the day to Spencer Piggott. Uh, ended up in in P5, um, but a dude that's really been struggling for you know finding a ride. Um, didn't have a full time this year, um, but was able to drive kind of the road courses for the Ed Carpenter Racing Team. And um, you know, Ed Carpenter really has struggled at the road course at Indianapolis. Um, so to see their team do well, and he was he was competing towards the end of the race, um, not necessarily for a win, but definitely you know in that um, top two, three, four, five pack. So uh, I'll go ahead and give my driver of the day to Spencer Piggott, and then um, my idiot um, of the day would have to be Will Power. Oof. Um, just a very strong. 
um, pole position that he took was led the most laps of the day. Yeah. Um, and then I think just it was bad strategy on their end. Um, you can't be that vulnerable to a yellow. The Oliver Askew yellow really just kind of sent um, those leaders shuffled to the back of the pack. Um, so he kind of got stuck in traffic back there. And then on top of that, uh, making a couple bad pit stops. Um, what was it? I think he stalled his own car. Yeah. Um, so he kind of had to get kick-started, ended up spending an entire minute and 15 seconds in the pit. So willpower, man. You're an idiot. You blew it. You're an idiot, man. Yeah, tough. It, you know, bad luck, but also bad strategy, um, which kind of coincides with my idiot of the day, who also showed good potential uh running well for the first you know quarter half of the race was ferrucci man um i hate to say it but the kids got crazy potential um but again yeah just some some screw-ups some kind of rookie mistakes on his end uh maybe some some questionable strategy calls but again yeah stall on his end in pit lane um i mean yeah just that small mistake dude that that costs you the race Big ball so, Ferrucci, man. He's still my boy. He's still my Ferrucci. boy. Yeah, dude. I, I, I hate to say it. Like, I think he's I think he's he's loony, man, but he's he's a heck of a driver. So well, that's why I love him, dude. He yeah. just drags his nuts on the bottom of the of the racetrack <laughs> and goes around. Well, maybe those nuts are slowing him down a little bit. Maybe. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for listening to the Open Wheel Debrief with your host, Patrick Hamilton, and co-host Tom Settle. Uh, go ahead, give us a five-star rating, like, subscribe, all the good stuff. Uh, join us next week as we go ahead and talk about not one, but two races in Wisconsin for IndyCar. And join us for the second race for F1 at the Austrian Grand Prix. Uh, hopefully we have something as entertaining as last week. So again, thanks for listening, guys. Love you all. You're the night sky trying to make me see your stars. The dark gets only. Now I see violet. I can feel silence. And the dark's all that I see when your stars have burnt out. And your heart makes no sound. I'll find violet in your eyes. Open Wheel Debrief by Tom Settle and Patrick Hamilton.